Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in The Shallow End with Schneebly and Toth. Episode 90 of The Shallow End with Schneebly and Toth. I am Lindsay Schneebly. Across from me is my dear friend, Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Yep, and it's interesting that you are Lindsay and I am Jethro, and we both have been that for quite some time. This will be the 90th show where that's been the case. I wonder when that, when will that switch? Like episode 250 or something? I wish I could look that far into the future. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's remarkable to me that uh, here we are 90 episodes in. It's, it's me too. Uh, great fun. Me we've too. really, really enjoyed it. And we've learned quite a lot, haven't we? We have. We have. Yeah. In fact, I've got some interesting stuff, uh, information to impart uh, that I learned for my story when, whenever we get to that. Okay. That I never, that I never would have looked up had it not been for the shallow end. <laughs> I think I went first last time. I feel like you should go, you should go first. Oh. Is your, is your story funny or depressing? Uh, it's, uh, it's funny. Good. Well, I mean, Good. it's, it's not depressing. Let's, um, humor, okay. humor is subjective, I guess. Yes, it is. Really. It is. Well, I think we should end with mine because mine is probably... One of, if not the single most Wiley Coyote <laughs> move stories I've I've ever told. Awesome. I, I did want to mention this first. I I really enjoyed this exchange that uh, I I found on social media. I think this was uh this may have been uh, Instagram or something. Uh, a thirteen year old came in fifth place at the uh, Fortnite. World Cup, which you know, a video game, a world championship video game. And okay. um, so he was hugging his dad and stuff. And this one guy, Dwight Kingsford, comments, if that disgrace of a kid was my son, I would make him run <laughs> gassers in the South Florida sun without water until he either chooses to play a real sport or collapses from heat exhaustion. Wow. And somebody responded to that and said, I hope you're infertile. People like you <laughs> don't deserve kids. And he replied, Zachary, I happen to run the best towing service in the Orlando area. 3.2 star rating. 
I can make sure any car you own gets towed for, quote, illegal parking, sent to a chop shop, and then sent to Africa and scrapped for parts. Don't <laughs> test me. Wow. Orlando police wrote, Dwight, what towing company are you with? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Oh, that's priceless. <laughs> that is priceless. I I think the thing that amazes me the most is that he thinks he has the best towing service in Orlando. And with, he's, a three point <laughs> with a three-point something. A 3.2 star rating. Yeah, maybe he's not exactly savvy to the whole yeah. five-star. Mm. It's a complicated system. I'll, I'll give him that. It is indeed. It's not for everyone. No, no, no. You need significant math skills to uh, to make that work to your advantage. Oh, wow. That's that's delicious. Here's my story for you. It took place in the late 70s in Detroit. And in one neighborhood sat a quaint little bar called the Lucky Q. It was a pool room. It was a haven for neighborhood friends just seeking a little quiet time, some place to hang out, a place where camaraderie was, uh, was, was really the main principle there. Sure. One particularly balmy summer evening, two friends, and uh, we'll call them <laughs> Jack and Sam, uh, decided <laughs> okay. to pay a little visit to the Lucky Q. Now, they were locals. They were regulars at the bar. They strolled in very casually and uh, grabbed a pool table. Jack, pretty tall, lanky guy, and Sam was was more burly, and uh, he had a laugh that could fill up the room. People loved these guys. They wasted no time in grabbing a couple of beers and heading straight to one of the billiard tables. It kind of sounds to me like like Cheers, and these guys are uh, are like Norm and Cliff. Norm and Cliff, yeah. Only playing pool. You know, it's funny you mention that because in my mind, I'm picturing the Cheers bar. So they're engaged yeah. in a friendly game of pool, having a couple of beers and just chatting. And Jack was lining up his shot when suddenly the doors to the bar swung open with a loud bang, causing both friends to pause mid-stroke. I have to say I'm intrigued. You spin a hell of a yarn, my friend. Two rather disheveled individuals burst into the bar, their faces obscured by ski masks. And one of them was frantically waving a pistol around in the air, demanding oh, everybody's boy. money. Not good. Yeah. Now, as you can imagine, the atmosphere in the bar shifted instantly. You could feel yeah. the fear and the tension in the air. Patrons froze in their tracks. I can only imagine... You find yourself in a situation like this and you're like, this isn't really happening. Yeah, that's got to be surreal. The men in the ski masks were there not just to rob the business, but they were there with the intention of robbing every single patron in the bar. So they amble over to the bar and stick the gun in the bartender's face and clean out the cash register register. And that's not enough. They then demanded the bartender's wallet and his watch. Oh, boy. They then proceeded to go from table to table, demanding at gunpoint that these patrons turn over anything of value, whether it was cash, whether it was jewelry, watches, anything that they perceived as valuable. 
panic really started to uh, to ripple through the crowd like wildfire. Witnesses claimed, though, that Jack and Sam remained surprisingly calm <laughs> as this is <laughs> taking place. <laughs> Eventually, the armed gunmen made their way to the pool table where Jack and Sam were standing. The gunmen demanded Jack and Sam's valuables, including Jack's gold wedding ring. Oh, boy. Yeah. That didn't set well with Jack. He was not prepared to hand over his wedding ring. He looked down, and from the corner of his eye, he saw the pool cue resting against the edge of the table. <laughs> With one swift motion, he grabbed the cue, his hand wrapped around it, and he swung it with surprising precision. The cue connected with a very satisfying thud, sending the gun <laughs> flying out of the robber's grasp and landing with a clatter on the pool table. This is so delicious. The bandit screamed in pain, grabbing his hand. His friend was suddenly disoriented. Neither one of them had a, had a gun at this point. People couldn't believe what they were seeing. In a blink of an eye, chaos erupted as Jack and Sam sprang into action. Using, go Jack, go Sam! Using the pool cues as makeshift weapons as they faced off against these startled intruders. A flurry of blows rained down as the four men grappled with each other, their movements a tangled blur of limbs and moderately priced billiard equipment. <laughs> Amidst the chaos, the gun lay forgotten on the pool table. Oh, jeez. Tantalizingly close, yet just out of reach of uh, the thieves and Jack and Sam. This has now turned into a bad country song. <laughs> <laughs> one of the thieves saw the gun, picked up a pool cue, and with one swift motion, he jabbed the pool cue through the trigger guard of the handgun, hooking it delicately as he maneuvered it closer and within reach. Once he secured the gun on the pool cue, he lifted it up off the table in an attempt to grab it. As the gun slid down the tapered shaft, the trigger was inadvertently pulled. Did you really just say tapered shaft? I did say that, and I'm going to say it again. Get used to okay. it. Okay. All right. I like it, actually. Go on. <laughs> the pistol slides down the tapered shaft. The trigger was inadvertently pulled. A deafening sound of gunfire echoed through the bar. Patrons ducked for cover, expecting the worst. But to their astonishment, the bullet struck true, finding its mark in the arm of the hapless accomplice. With a cry of pain, he staggered backward, clutching his wounded limb as blood seeped through his uh, fingers and sweatshirt. Uh, he was just winged. He wasn't uh, killed or anything. Pretty soon, the wail of sirens pierced the night air and uh, law enforcement <laughs> arrived. They arrested the two would-be bandits. Uh, who had learned a valuable lesson that fateful night, Lynn's. It sounds like. And that lesson is this. Never underestimate the power of a tapered shaft. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Oh, Just for me. You're very welcome. <laughs> God, that's priceless. That was such a visual story. One of the perfect examples of instant justice or instant mm. karma. Instant karma. Indeed. Indeed. Great story. Makes me want to go play pool and have a big 
big frosty mug of of suds. They have giant beers here in Ecuador, and I kid you not, it's so big it it has an undertow. <laughs> it is it's huge. Like you could you could actually launch a boat, a small one. Let's not exaggerate. <laughs> Right. You can right. very easily launch a dinghy in this beer. A dinghy. I was mm-hmm. going to say a dinghy or a sabot, you know, yeah. one of those uh, mm-hmm. little sailboats. Yeah. Uh, and let me guess, it being Ecuador, it costs 25 cents. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> it's not not far from true. <laughs> it's actually 700 milliliters, however much that is. That would involve Googling, and I uh, <laughs> frankly don't have the time. Right. Who does nowadays? Who does? Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of constantly buying new pants because your old ones just don't fit anymore? Do you hate the hassle of tailoring or the embarrassment of constantly hitching up your waistband? Well, the answer is here. Introducing Incredible Shrinking Pants. That's right, with Incredible Shrinking Pants, your pants will magically shrink to fit your ever-shrinking waistline. No more saggy bottoms or unflattering baggy thighs. Just put them on and let the magic happen. And for those of you who are still growing, no problem. Incredible Shrinking Pants also comes in a grow-with-you version. Just tug on the side tabs and watch as your pants magically expand to fit your ever-expanding waistline. They're the perfect pants to wear to an all-you-can-eat buffet. Incredible Shrinking Pants, the perfect solution for those who want to look great without any effort. Available now in stores near you and online. Incredible Shrinking Pants may contract or expand without warning. Always keep scissors or a sharp knife nearby. Men should use any pair of pants with caution. Incredible Shrinking Pants. Our email address is lifeguarded shallowendpodcast.com. This comes to us from a listener named Kayla. I think that's a cool first name. Kayla? K-A-Y-L-A. Yeah. Oh, L-A. It's, K- it's, it's beautiful. Isn't it? It's very uh, rhythmic. That's a very good description, Jethro. Kayla says, hey guys, I'm catching up on Shallow End after binge listening to all the episodes of Box. Wow. What? She says, I'm on episode 69 where Lindsay asks JG if he ever swallowed a small object accidentally. It triggered a memory from a few years ago. In 2021, I attended my first music festival with a group of friends. We were bouncing from stage to stage, enjoying the diverse acts and indulging in a fair amount of drinks. (laughs) Some backstory before I get into my Shallow End moment. In middle school, I developed a habit of taking off the tabs from soda cans and putting them in my drink. Oh, yeah. There was a game among friends where we would flick the tabs and assign letters to the numbers of flicks it took to detach the tab. Each letter supposedly hinted at the first initial of a secret admirer. If there wasn't a trash bin nearby, I'd stash the tab in my drink (laughs) for safekeeping. Right. Fast forward to this festival. It was late. I was a few drinks in. I found myself halfway through a white claw when a friend offered another. (laughs) Instead of declining and waiting to finish my current drink, I decided to chug it, eager to grab another without the hassle. Good for you, Kayla. I think we've all experienced that hassle of actually having to pick up a second drink. And also the hassle of being halfway through a white claw. That in itself. (laughs) Mid-chug... 
I sensed something odd in my mouth. Oh, no. Ignoring it, I powered through until the can was empty. Upon shaking the can, Oof. I realized there was no familiar clink of the tab. It dawned on me I had swallowed the aluminum soda tab. Ooh. JG, this was precisely what happened to me when, when I told you this story. Panic set in. I was intoxicated, surrounded by a crowd, and now had metal in my stomach. <laughs> I declared I was on the brink of death and insisted on calling 911, but my friends brushed it off, laughing it away. Frantically Googling whether swallowing a tab could be fatal, I spent the next 20 minutes in distress while my friends attempted to reassure me. Eventually, I managed to calm down and resumed enjoying the night. Surprisingly, I didn't stop drinking. <laughs> Days later... I realized I'd forgotten about the incident and never bothered to check if the tab had, quote, passed, mm -hmm. unquote. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I could still be walking around with an aluminum soda tab in my stomach to this day. Thanks for all you guys do. I hope you enjoy this silly story. Kayla. <laughs> Kayla, next time you run through a TSA check, perhaps they can alert you as to whether yeah. or not you have a, any aluminum in your intestines. Maybe that, uh, maybe that TSA check can be good for more than... Just keeping the rest of us safe. Mm -hmm. Got another email from a listener that I, I happen to know. Her name is Teresa. She's in Arizona. She is a dear, dear friend of my sister. And Teresa, a few uh, weeks ago, lost her husband to cancer. And I was with uh, with her actually that that day and the days afterward. And my sister and Teresa and I went for hikes and had breakfasts and dinners and she didn't know about any of our podcasts and when i say any of our podcasts and a shameless plug i'm referring of course to the box of oddities <laughs> the shallow end with schnebley and toth and from beneath the hollywood sign so i told teresa who is an avid cyclist and very very fit and exercise uh, fanatic that she might enjoy listening to any one of these podcasts so she wrote them all down, and I got an email from her uh, just the other day, and she said, I wanted to let you know that I'm so grateful for being able to spend time with you, and bonus, learn about your podcasts. I like all of them, but the shallow end has been the best thing for me during this very weird time of grief and transition. Mm. I'm fortunate to come late to the game because there are so many that I haven't listened to, I just keep them rolling, one after the other after the other. They make me laugh out loud, which is exactly what I need oh. right now. Plus, you and JG have this very funny, easy way with each other. I feel like I'm sitting with you guys, and you're both telling stories to me. And Cat, I love her, period. I think she is my spirit animal. And the fake commercials with the voices. Perfection. Keep those podcasts going. Great work, both of you, oh. Teresa. Wow. Isn't that sweet? Teresa was the one, I think I might have shared the story that uh, it was, I think, just a few days after her husband passed and she was on the bike path. You know, that bike loop that circles, it now circles Tucson. It didn't, it wasn't completely connected when you and I were there, JG. But it's, uh, part of it is along the Rito River and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she was uh, cycling and listening to Shallow End and laughing out loud but people couldn't tell what she was listening to. She said she just looked like this lunatic laughing her head off for no reason as she, as she biked along the, uh, the Rideau River in Tucson. Well, so anyway. Higher praise you, could not be found. We appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate it, Teresa. God bless you. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? 
Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir de zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. Hello, everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. You're in the shallow end with Schnappley and Toth. I have a, a whale of a tale, JG. And as I said, I wish, I was just saying to Nancy on our hike this morning, I wish Wiley Coyote wasn't a copyrighted character <laughs> because I realized that he is the closest thing we have to a mascot for this podcast. Oh, absolutely. And this one is vintage Wiley Coyote. This is like taken right out of a, of a Chuck Jones storyboard. According to wildlifetrip.org, the three largest whales on Earth are as follows. The blue whale is the single largest, average length 98 feet. Can you freaking believe that? Here's an interesting side fact for you. Hit um, me. Okay. Hit me. Uh, a blue whale's penis is the size of a telephone pole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That fact was in my head somewhere. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm deeply honored that you chose now as the time to share that with the rest of us. Of course. It's what friends are for. Especially just after using the, the phrase tapered shaft in your story. You're welcome. Number two, JG, is the fin whale. Measures in at 90 feet. Fin whale is, is called that because... Fin whales have an unusual fin just below the base of their tail on their on their back. Here is an interesting side fact about that. Hit me with the fin whale factoid. I don't uh, I do not know the size of a fin whale's penis. Okay. Well, we learned a little something about JG in more ways than one today. And finally, a sperm whale. Yes, I said the word whale comes in <laughs> at 67 feet. So Good Lord. still Still, yeah, Big. still, still, Lord. So uh, last week I was listening to a radio station here in L.A. and they were talking about a fin whale washing up on a beach in Oregon. And it was, as, as the story goes, I think they, they thought it was a young uh, adolescent male because he was only 45 feet long. So that made that reminded me of a story that I'm now going to get to, which is our shallow end story. 
about another whale that washed up on a beach back in 1970. This is probably one of the best stories in the history of television news in America. And you can you can actually find it. I'll tell you more about that in a minute on YouTube. I think I know this story. I believe I bet you do. We we actually may have uh, done an episode on this way back when we first started the the box oh, of oddities on box. But I love this story. Yeah, yeah. Please well, proceed. <laughs> Just act like you've never heard it before. Okay. So it's November 9th, 1970, and again, a 45-foot-long sperm whale washes ashore in Florence, Oregon. This is on the central Oregon coast, and they estimate the weight. Now, they, of course, have to estimate it because they can't get, get a scale out <laughs> right, there and right. hoist the thing up. But they estimate the carcass at eight tons. Oof. Eight tons of dead whale. That's a lot of dead whale. That's a lot of dead whale. It was a big old stinky thing. And all they knowed was, we got to get this thing out of here. Now, because this thing is on the beach, for some reason, back then, in the 1970s, the state of Oregon's highway division was responsible for taking care of beaches, partly because in Oregon history, cars would use beaches as a way to get from one place to another. So the Oregon Highway Division was in charge of getting rid of this eight-ton dead whale. <laughs> so they consulted with the United States Navy on, on, you know, what's the best way to get rid of this thing? And Navy, being military, finally said, well, if I were you, I'd just blow the damn thing up. <laughs> so they figure, okay, that's, that's what we're going to do. They uh, they came up with that Wiley Coyote favorite ingredient in any time you got to solve a problem. Not roller skates, not a ramp, but dynamite. And I'm picturing the old fashioned plunger detonator. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The theory was. If they used enough dynamite, it's just going to blast this whale into <laughs> hundreds of thousands, if not millions of mm. tiny junks, chunks of whale. How now? I don't. This is one thing I don't remember about this story. Um, did they just stuff TNT sticks down its blowhole? No, that probably might have been smarter, actually. But uh, but you you actually bring up a very important point <laughs> in this. They they just assumed that the resulting pieces, these these hundreds of thousands, if not millions of what they pictured being tiny little chunks of whale meat would be blasted <laughs> to smithereens and then nature would take its course. Of course. You, you got birds, you know, seagulls who had been circling overhead for a long, you know, for a long time anyway over this over this thing. Crabs on the beach, fish in the ocean. This would just sort of turn into a buffet <laughs> for all the, the natural predators in this particular area. Now, the guy that they put in charge of this was a guy named George Thornton. He was an engineer with the Oregon Highway Department, and he told an interviewer that 
the reason he was put in charge of this was that his supervisor was on vacation on a hunting trip. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it fell to George to engineer this this idea. <laughs> he admitted that they weren't exactly sure how much dynamite would be needed. Mm. But they came up with about a half a ton <laughs> of dynamite. <laughs> Now that's for those of you scoring at home. Mm. That's that's twenty cases. I said cases. Wow, of dynamite. Yeah, uh, and the and the the news footage shows them. You know, schlepping the box after box after box of this dynamite. What's interesting is that there was a guy that just happened to be in the area when this all went down. And he had been an expert in the military with explosives. So he was kind of savvy about what do you need dynamite-wise to to blow something up. Mm. And he sees them, you know, walking around this whale and scratching their their heads and (laughs) pulling out measuring tapes and, you know, probably this was pre-calculator era, 1970, so they probably had like slide rules and... Mm -hmm. You know, so he comes up and says, hey, uh, I know this is none of my business, but uh, I think 20 sticks of dynamite would be just just what you need to to blow this thing up. And as you as you might expect, and actually, I'm, I'm happy that that they ignored him because otherwise this wouldn't be nearly the story that it turned out to be. <laughs> they politely said. Look, Mr. Military Veteran with Explosives Training, we got this. We're the, uh, we're the highway department in the state of Oregon, and mm-hmm. we think we know what we're doing. Why don't you step back with the other observers and let, let the pros stand down, citizen. <laughs> we got this under control. Now, this guy, uh, we don't know his name, but this military veteran had just bought a brand new car a few days beforehand (laughs) from a dealership that had a sales promotion going called Get a Whale of a Deal on a Brand New Car. (laughs) Uh This comes in important later. So it's been three days since this dead whale has been sitting on the beach. Oof. It it washed up on a November 9th, and it's now November 12th. It's a... 3.45, 3.45, quarter to four in the afternoon, they have packed as best they can 20 cases of dynamite <laughs> by digging under the whale as best they could and shoving these cases between the sand and the carcass of this whale. And they are ready to light this candle. Now, you can imagine this has drawn the understandable collection of bystanders, people who live nearby or who have driven by or heard about it. Who doesn't want to see a seagoing mammal blown up? So as you can imagine, there's quite a uh, crowd gathered, just under 100 people. And the sheriff's department and other authorities push people back a quarter mile away for safety Mm. because they realize, yes, this is a big whale, but this is also uh, 20 cases of dynamite. But there were media there too. A reporter, a guy named Paul Lindman from K2, K-A-T-U, they were the ABC, ABC affiliate in Portland, and his photographer, a guy named Doug Brazil. And this is back, this is pre-videotape, JG. This is 16 millimeter film. 
But this this guy, Paul Lindman, this story kind of turned him into a rock star for TV news because he treated this entire thing very tongue in cheek, uh, very serious. You know, like like this is this is a life changing story. Yeah. Like uh, like the Hindenburg guy kind of approaching. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, the humanity minus the drama, but but very sonorous. You know, uh, I'm going to explain this very significant story to you word by word. It's been so long since a whale had washed up in Lane County, nobody could remember how to get rid of one. In selecting its battle plan, the highway division decided the carcass couldn't be buried because it might soon be uncovered. It couldn't be cut up and then buried because nobody wanted to cut it up, and it couldn't be burned. So dynamite it was, some 20 cases or a half ton of it. My favorite line there is, it couldn't be cut up because nobody wanted to cut it up. (laughs) (laughs) So they got everybody pushed back. The media's rolling film. The dynamite goes off. And as you might expect, it blasts whale chunks into the sky, which is exactly what they wanted. Mm -hmm. But what the experts, in quote, didn't foresee is just how much of that whale would still be controlled by gravity. (laughs) In his voiceover, Lindman says, the blast blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. (laughs) So there's this kind of euphoria when the explosion goes off because humans just love to make big things go boom. (laughs) But after about five or six seconds, and you're going to hear this in the second clip, the tone changes because people realize that this stuff is starting to fall back down and again why people didn't stop to think i might get hit by whale blubber our camera stopped rolling immediately after the blast The humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival as huge chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere. Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. The dunes were rapidly evacuated as spectators escaped both the falling debris and the overwhelming smell. That explosion caused large pieces of blubber to land near the buildings in parking lots some distance away from the beach, but only some of the whale was disintegrated. Yeah. Most of it still sat there on the beach that had to be cleared away. Now, in his report, Lindman noted that these scavenger birds, these seagulls that had been circling, they thought that all of them were going to come down and start, you know, feasting on this on this buffet. But all it, all it did was scare them away. The noise <laughs> and the explosion scared all the seagulls away. They're like, screw this. Looks dangerous down there. We're we're out of here. So remember that explosives expert, JG, the yeah. veteran in his brand new car purchased during that get a whale of a deal promotion? Mm-hmm. That brand new car was absolutely flattened, <laughs> totaled by a piece of falling whale blubber. It was a freaking disaster. And they actually got film of this this car, and it looks like it's been dropped in one of those, you know, compactors that they use at junkyards. How big a piece of blubber does it take to flatten a Chrysler? Well, apparently they they didn't have a, a 
shot of the blubber itself, but uh, because I think it bounced off the car, but the car <laughs> is just like pancake. I mean, the guy is lucky. Yes, he lost his car, but if he had been sitting mm. in that car, he would have been killed. Oh, yeah. It, it was just, it was a total disaster. Well, later this that same day, this guy Thornton, the guy in charge who inherited this job only because his boss was off on a hunting trip, mm-hmm. t- told the Eugene Register Guard newspaper, quote, it went exactly right, except the blast funneled a hole in the sand under the whale, and some of the whale chunks were subsequently blown back toward the onlookers and their cars, unquote. <laughs> This guy actually got promoted oh, several months later no way. and served served with the highway department until his retirement. Uh. So in the end of his story, and this is probably the best line in his entire package, Lindman says, quote, it might be concluded that should a whole whale ever be washed ashore in Lane County again, those in charge will not only remember what to do, They'll certainly remember what not to do. <laughs> 25 years later, that reporter, Lindman, actually tracked down Thornton. Oh, wow. And to interview him again on the, on the 25th anniversary of that, of that horrific in- incident, <laughs> Thornton still claimed he felt the operation had been an overall success, but it had been converted into a public relations disaster <laughs> by hostile media oh, reports. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, it's the media's fault. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everything went fine. You guys just twisted the story yeah. into something you wanted it to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's fake news. Tell that to the guy whose uh, whose car got got totaled. <laughs> so as of that incident, the Oregon State Parks Department because they've now taken over the the beaches. The Oregon State Parks Department new policy is you bury the whale carcass where they land and if the sand is not deep enough to do that, you find a way to relocate it to another beach. Hmm. A whale of a tale. I got this from K2, K-A-T-U TV in Portland and Wikipedia. I would encourage you guys to go watch the story. The story was so popular that a few years ago, that TV station actually pulled the film out of their vault and remastered it in 4K video. (laughs) And you can watch this explosion. It's just, it's, it's so damned funny. It's unbelievable. It's, it's such a Wiley e. Coyote moment. Just priceless. There was a story. I think it, it happened in Thailand where a whale, where a whale washed ashore and it wasn't as big as, as, as this one was. They were able to lift it onto a truck and they were going to remove yes. it. I almost put this in my story, but I I left it alone. But yeah, finish it. Yeah, the uh, whale was being transported through the city during rush hour, and the gases created by the decomposition (laughs) inside the whale erupted the whale. It self-exploded, knocking out (laughs) shop windows and raining rancid blubber for, for blocks. God in heaven, can you fathom what something like that would smell like? <laughs> no, no. Dear Lord, I can't imagine that. Nope. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I was going to use that as a as a precursor to this story, but 
I wanted to give this story its due. So it's a great story. God bless you for bringing that up. Any story involving dead whales mm. or anything, anything involving blowing up big things, right? No matter what they are, it's just it's just so human. It's it's in our DNA. I think it's a way of fooling ourselves into thinking that we can control anything we want. Well, we can certainly blow anything we want up. That's true. I mean, technically, there are laws yeah. and stuff. Are, and certain things should not be blown up with 20 cases of dynamite. Right. Any, any kids with cases of dynamite at home, call the authorities and back away. Mm-hmm. Don't don't get any crazy ideas. Remember, these were trained professionals that <laughs> blew up this whale. <laughs> and it didn't go so well. Not listening to the veteran who said, I think 20 sticks would do it. Nah. Screw that guy. Mm-mm. We know what we're doing. We're the government. We're here to help. (laughs) Amazing story. We love hearing from you and and hearing your stories, and you can send them to us, either a written version or a uh, a recorded one. You can record it on your your cell phone or your smart device and uh, whatever the kids are calling it, the Google machine. The Google uh, machines. And just uh, email it to us, lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. And uh, we love hearing from you. Absolutely. And until next time, again, we do encourage you, especially if you come across a, a whale carcass, make good choices. Your life or your brand new car might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say, even if you have to and visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, you gotta go.